0: This episode is brought to you by Fine Art Barbecue. As a connoisseur of beauty in the humanities, you love a full-course meal, a high-quality smoked victuals, and spicy sauces. But you also love great works of art that uplift the soul. And until now, you probably thought, well, never the twain shall meet. Let Fine Artie and his crew of barbecue pit experts treat your family to glorious reproductions of, say, Michelangelo's David, carved from mesquite-roasted sausage. Or try one of their pastoral creations, a stately Remington-style longhorn bull, a sliced brisket, marinated in habanero broth, or a glorious rooster made from roasted chicken that'll melt right in your mouth. And fine art barbecue cater special events as well. Watch your sweetheart tear up as your family and friends dig into a sculpture of her from their famous chopped beef. Smoke for 48 hours until it's tender as butter. Until now, delicious esculents like this have only been available at gift shops outside of the Louvre or the Vatican. But now you can enjoy the visual formative language on a roll of butcher paper. And thank you, Fine Art Barbecue, for sponsoring the Rereading Wolf podcast. This episode is brought to you by the support of generous listeners just like you. You can learn how to be one of them at patreon.com slash Wolf, And thank you, listener patrons, for supporting the Rereading
1: Wolf podcast. Warning. The following discussion is deliberately riddled with spoilers and unhinged speculation on this nearly 40-year-old book, Gene Wolfe's The Book of the New Sun. You can't read a Gene Wolfe story. You can only reread. A Gene Wolfe story.
0: Welcome to Rereading Wolf. We don't pretend that this is the first time you and we have read these books. We want to understand them in as much detail as possible, and that means considering the
1: works as a whole. Hi, I'm James Wen, And I'm Craig Brewer. Craig, we have corrections. Do we? Okay. Yeah. Michael Andre C. Uh, that's Mantis to some, he had more than one correction. First, we've been saying that Votilus had planned Severian's assassination upon reaching House Absolute. And honestly, that was always my take. But Mantis says that's not exactly ever said or strongly implied. Actually, what happens is that the Autarch shows Severian the magic coffee table book (laughs) <laughs> and then Severian discovers he's bleeding, and this is in chapter 21 of Claw. Quote, Why did you do that? I asked. I thought you were going to show me a map. I only want to find the green room, as old Rudison out there says it's called, where the players are quartered. Did Vodalus' message say you were to kill the bearer? I was fumbling for my sword as I spoke out. When my hands gripped the familiar hilt, I found it was too weak to draw the blade. And the Androidine laughed. So Severian thinks the autark is pulling a fast one at first, but the text doesn't say that's what the message said. And as Mantis puts it, quote, he says he only tried to help Severian to the garden of Yesud when the younger only wanted to find the park of House Absolute. A simple mistake, like the time when the Chatelaine's cat jumped in the microwave. (laughs) Gee, (laughs) I had no idea Mantis was a sailor very suspicious as always <laughs> and he has another correction i'm not sure i buy this one but I, you know i'll let you and the listeners be the judge mantis and i agree that jonas is a post crash name it's neither the name of the robot nor the human donor quote the bio parts for jonas is sourced by jonas Quote, he was on the ground, a bystander who was killed at the crash. Presuming that the crash site was not a city leads to speculation that the dead man had been someone whose job would have him in the field, which includes soldiers, shepherds, foresters, outlaws, and others. Some imply groups, others are more solitary. It's such speculation attempts to narrow the spectrum, but does not do much. And I said, well, you know, I thought the dead body was one of the crew and I think the story of being raised by a mother and father at a settlement on the coast that had changed so much when he went back that, you know, he never returned again. You know, all that fits in with a sailor who's been gone for centuries or more likely millennia.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He's thinking of parallels to the long sun, short sun, and I'm thinking of parallels to Wizard Night and Home Fires, where someone is a combination of two personalities and a new personality is created from the two of them. But Michael is unconvinced. He notes that in the book of the long sun and short sun, new robots are created by male and female robots, mm-hmm. each with separate knowledge programmed into them for the task, And this is a problem because the males are mostly soldiers and they spend a lot of time in hibernation, while the female (laughs) robots are, you know, domestic workers. So they wear out faster. So Michael prefers that Jonas was built at that town and everything is RoboJonas until they get to the antechamber. All of the comments about his past, all of his memories, they're all just Robo Jonas. And then, you know... The human Jonas is awakened at the antechamber for the first time. I'm not sure we came to an agreement, but you know, hit the link on the show notes to the Reddit post in that last episode. It was cool. It was earthlist Earth-list-worthy discussion. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Craig?
0: That is one of the biggest questions I have about Jonas, too. And I haven't gone through those chapters yet with that fine tooth comb because we're Mm. still working our way towards them. But when we do, that's really what I'm keeping my eye out is, is there something that tells us that some kind of new personality has woken up? The thing about it is, is that idea that Jonas realizes he's two people. That makes sense in the abstract in terms of why he has that breakdown. The problem I have with it is sort of knowing exactly how the pieces would fit together um, in, in the actual narrative. Like, where does that specific thing happen? Why doesn't he say anything about that more clearly? So, I mean, yeah, that idea in general seems like what has to be going on in some way or another. But my problem's always been really mapping out what exactly is happening yeah. when in the story? like right. I think I mentioned before, it would make a lot right. of sense actually, if the Alzabo drug actually caused something right. in Jonas to wake up because we know he drinks the drink, but there's no evidence of that for a couple chapters like if it if that is what happens, it takes a couple days for it to to come off, right? Um so so that doesn't seem really likely um and instead, it's something about. I think recognizing the other sailors in the, um, in the antechamber that triggers this breakdown or awareness or whatever, but how that actually happens is still fishy to me. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Again, I agree in the abstract, but when I look at the actual details of the text, that's where I get less.
1: Sure. Sure. And let's see. Also, Cody Martin had some thoughts about the purpose of the Alzabo ritual among the Vodolari. I suggested that you know maybe it was some kind of control method, like Charles Manson giving massive amounts of LSD to his followers on Spod Ranch. And Cody says, <laughs> "What do the Votolari hope to gain through their Alzabo feasts? The same thing the Autarch hopes to gain. I don't think Vodalus knows what that is specifically, though." His how-few-of-us-know-it comment, and then at the end of Chapter 27 of Citadel, applies that even knowing about the Autarchs Alzabo is privileged information. They simply assume that it is the secret that will allow them to usurp them. Or perhaps Vodalus does know the point of the Alzabo and keeps that to himself. By accumulating lives whenever a Vodolari happens to die, he hopes to speed run his way into becoming the new son himself. That's pure speculation, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, well, that's how we roll, Cody. <laughs> but uh, Mantis again, uh Michael Andre Driusi has. You know, he's really been popping with ideas lately and not Uh just about the Book of the New Sun. Michael likes my analogy to Charles Manson, but he doesn't think the Vodalari are the only game in town as far as grave digging is concerned. He said, I do not think the volunteers at the graveyard are guarding against Vodalus in specific, but against the large and local population of Alzabo heads. Vodalus seems to be using the technique for increasing unit cohesion through shared Team building experience, strengthening the loyalty by echoing loyalty of fallen comrades, and/or tying people tighter to the organization through the bonds of shared unspeakable shame. He does agree with Cody that Votalis is using the Alzabo to build cohesion, to have everybody thinking the same way because you know, they're essentially the same person, and it might be quote an attempt to build a house on sand. He notes as should be self-evident from the, say, hush-hush way Vodalist refers to it at lunch. Quote, the details of Vodalist using the analeptic is unknown to the average commonwealther. just as the autarky requiring a one-time use of the analeptic alzabo seems to be unknown. True, both Vodalist and Thecla treat it as a state secret. So I agree with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm still not sure of the reasons. I mean, the idea that Svotilis is trying to become the new son. I don't get any sense that he knows about the whole test, much less that he's trying to do it. Like that seems like still opposed to whatever else he's going on. So I don't know about that. I don't even really buy that they're doing it for team building reasons. Like, I mean, I just don't, I still don't really know why they do it. I've got a bunch of ideas, but the one that still makes the most sense to me is just kind of, you have everybody here come in and do something profane mm-hmm. and you're all kind of stuck together, but that's, <laughs> that's more, it's not the direct team building of like, let's all have a shared experience. It's more the, like, I can blackmail you now if you try and do something else. Cause sure. you know, you've done this thing that, that seems like it. Cause it says otherwise what everybody else gets out of it seems to be so vague. Right. So or also, I don't or know.
1: Also that, you know, you've done this horrible thing. You, they'll never accept you outside this group. This is the only group right. that will accept oh, yeah. you anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that I, that definitely seems to make sense.
1: Well, then Michael draws what he considers to be a better analysis than uh, Manson and LSD. Quote, another historical legendary model might be the hashish, which gave the cult of assassins their name. Point being a drug that is then used as an initiation into a society more militant and directed than mere hedonistic thrill seekers. Well, yeah, maybe, yeah. Hmm. Although some of those guys, when they were walking to the ceremony, did seem rather hedonistic. Yeah. Well, both Cody and Mike Benowitz thought the outro song for the episode was fitting, and I agree with that. It's an ideal anti-Votillari anthem, so that's why I like it. <laughs> also on Facebook, Mike Ferrar says... Far are your arms from me. Since you guys wondered about Thea's fate after the new son, and since sex dolls are still in the zeitgeist, <laughs> he has a speculation about all that. Bleaker than bleak, he says. With Vodalus dead and Agian's charge, Thea becomes Hathor's new, very unwilling paracoita. Agia never mm. wanted the job, and Thea is, after all, more like the paracoita he's always pining for with her violet eyes and voice like doves, maybe she's eventually escaped him, or maybe like half-sister Thecla, Thea eventually takes her own life to escape a fate worse than death. So she wasn't mm-hmm. lost or stolen by false shipmates. And perhaps Hathor, once reunited with his true Paracoita, somehow returns to his ship. Given that ships have a strange tendency to get lost in the dark between suns or arrive at their destination, adds before they began their journeys, perhaps Thea was or is the original Paracoita, the only Paracoita. I don't know. Oh. It sounds like we need a flash fiction contest for what happened to Thea.
0: <laughs> One of these episodes, we're going to actually have that
1: prepared for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, We'll see. We've been getting messages on Patreon, too, now. Uh, Kevin, don't ask for the last name. It's just Kevin.
2: Look at Kevin. Look at Kevin. Now he's wrapped in
1: plastic. (laughs) He says, I'm just listening to the podcast for five legs and had the following thought. The order of governance given can be interpreted as the development of governance in human history over time, from more barbaric to less. For the sake of the, this argument. In one sense, Severian is at the end of time, the most advanced stage of human governance, the chaos of the autarky notwithstanding. Thus, his attachment to governance should be largely idealistic, not in a childish sense. And indeed, Saverian largely sees himself and his duty through its ideals. In another sense, however, the idealistic attachment to governance is actually the most barbaric, especially from a Catholic or biblical point of view. I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your strength. This seems to be confirmed in how Malrubius refers to Triscali's attachment to Severian. And indeed, many Catholic writers use the metaphor of blind trust of a child to its loving parents as the correct attitude toward God? Could it be that Severian is iteratively moving from idealism to personalism through each subsequent walking of the corridors of time? Could it be that this is, in fact, the test he has to pass in order to bring the new son? Anyway, absolutely loving the episodes, especially the ones with Mark Aramini. Oh, wait. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to read that last part out loud. <laughs> we can't afford for Mark's head to get much bigger. He, he already can't wear a hat. I can confess, I, I wish I felt better. I understood what Wolf was getting at with that conversation with Mal Rubius, so. though. It, it, still, it's darn good writing.
0: And I do like the idea. I mean, we've been talking a lot about idealism on the Patreon episodes um, and Borges and idealism, but I do like the idea that. Maybe there's something about Severian that's getting away from this sort of solipsistic worldview where he only can see things in terms of his very self-centered perspective, which is kind of idealism in a sense. Um, And to have a broader, more realistic view, it's just plain old getting closer to the truth, because in a lot of ways, that's Wolf's MO of everyone has their perspective. Every human being is by default only able to see things from their own perspective and we're all gonna have blind spots and we're all gonna have ways that we try to fool ourselves and all that kind of stuff. All of his quote unquote unreliable narrator stuff, which I don't think is unreliable. I just think it's realistic. But that to the (laughs) side. But the idea that maybe something Which is
1: unreliable. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
0: But I love the idea that then there's something that Severian is going through, whether it's the corridors of time or whether it's just all of his experiences that actually lead him to go beyond that and have a wider perspective, that seems right. That seems like what his development throughout all the books is going towards. Not that he ever... Becomes like an omniscient godlike being he doesn't he's still a severian even at the end of earth of the new sun but he has such a broader understanding mm. of everything else um, at the end of these four books and at the end of earth and um I like that as a way to get beyond that simple self-centered idealism yeah yeah
1: I like it and finally also on the patreon site Taylor Lowry says Taylor in an unknown land I read the entire New Sun series on a week-long family trip in 2018, and while I was totally taken with it for all the reasons I don't have to explain to you guys, I had nobody in my life to discuss it with. The friend who recommended it to me has a really frustrating habit of recommending books that he, quote, wishes he had time to read and never gets around to actually reading. He even participates in the Wolf Appreciation Facebook page without ever having read a wolf book. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm actively mad at him about this as we speak. Well, you know, that's messed up. I agree. That's worse than David Stockhoff, who participates in the rereading wolf page and is a patron of the podcast and has never even listened to an episode. <laughs> the nerve of people. Anyway, he goes on at the time. I didn't want to move on to long and short son until I had a chance to dig deeper into the mysteries and symbolism. I just inhaled. So I sort of gave up at the time, just a couple of weeks ago. I finally discovered you guys. And it's exactly the analysis, heavy banter that I'd always hoped I would find. Like many other commenters and reviewers you've mentioned, I've already listened to almost your entire catalog, and am soon to be under the torture of waiting for each episode to come out. (laughs) In two weeks? Dude. That's a lot. (laughs) But Kudos. (laughs) He says, on the other hand, I'm also just about ready to read through the new sun again and carry on to other wolf works. Thanks for reopening this literary chapter in my life. Wow. That's great, Pretty Taylor. Cool. Thanks so much. And let's see, we have we have new patrons. At the journeyman level, Carl. And at the master level, Kevin.
2: Look at Kevin. Look at Kevin. Now he's wrapped in plastic.
1: Taylor Lowry.
2: The Taylor in an
1: unknown land. Mickey Smith. So that's pretty good. And um, I'm going to tell you what, Craig, I I think I'm getting a little peckish. So we should probably get started with this episode. Ugh, That's all I can say. (laughs) It's just, ugh.
0: Chapter 11, Thecla.
1: Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Severian's big reunion with Thecla.
0: Reunion I like that word yeah that's yeah, that's, yeah.
1: that's one way to put it
0: yeah <laughs> I've never heard cannibalism called a reunion.
1: Before. They're back well yeah, it's the mother and child re- reunion that's all about a uh, yeah a, 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 an egg and chicken omelette so that's right that's right yeah So we are now at the evening of the second day of this volume. Severian woke up at the end, dreaming about Marwenna's head just yesterday, and everything progressed from that. If Severian left the tower on Sunday at noon, it's now either Saturday night or the following Sunday night. He and Jonas, sitting by a brook, have just realized that they will be eating a person tonight. That... Vodalus and company are one of those disgusting people who eat corpses and absorb their memories,
0: which are actually people who've been mentioned quite a lot. And if you think about the way it is, they've been essentially implied since the very first chapter, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is not a weird thing. It comes up with Alton that he immediately asked him about that. It's mentioned once or twice again. So yeah, it, I know sometimes people talk about this one as like, oh, this is where it gets weird and dark. But I feel like, no, that we've really been having this been foreshadowed this. mentioned, mentioned yeah, yeah. for a long time.
1: Yeah. So it felt to Severian, like after Thea dropped this little bomb and then what left, it felt to Severian like they sat for a long time. But he figures it was probably only a few minutes. And I suppose Severian could theoretically run the tape back and find out exactly how long it had been, you know, just like he did when he counted the soldiers passing through saltus mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe he, he probably doesn't want to relive that time. So he's just guessing.
0: And it seems like a good dramatic way to say, you know, he was so shocked that his normal memory was put on hold for a while, right? Like (laughs) he had so much to process that he just wasn't recording for a while.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so finally, Severian does get up. He kneels at the edge of the brook and just vomits his lunch in its entirety. When it's all over, when he can't vomit anymore, he just stays there retching and shivering. And then he rinses his face and mouth with the cold water. He gets up and sits beside Jonas and says, we've got to get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anything to the fact that he kneels when he vomits, it's just a small thing. But i it struck me something about kneeling when we're getting ready to have a backwards Eucharist and then <laughs> kneeling and doing the opposite of eating and real? drinking. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, it's... <laughs> It could just be a little bit of setting up for some kind of
1: for a satanic eucharist, yeah, yeah, for a satanic eucharist.
0: And we'll have to talk about whether it is satanic. I don't know. I mean, that's everybody always talks about this as the satanic eucharist chapter or the the corrupted thing.
1: I'm not so sure.
0: I'm not. I don't know. But we'll get there. We we got plenty more to talk
1: about. But well, when Severian says, "You know, we have to get out of here," Jonas just looks at him with a face of pity, and he says. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, we have Vodolari all around us. Well Severian's not moved by that. He says, Dude, these people are cannibals. Maybe <laughs> Tuney Old was lying. And Jonas, you know, maybe he has super sensitive robot ears, or maybe he's just become an experienced tracker, but he says, I've heard our guards walking among the trees. They're not as silent as all that. Look, Saverian, you have your sword, I have a knife. But those guys have bows. Most people here do. We can try to hide behind the trunks like alouettes, and then he trails off, and Severian gets it, right? Alouettes are shot every single day. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought an, an alouette was a lark, like, you know, alouette, junta alouette, you know, that's that's a, that's a lo- song about uh, plucking a lark. But no, it's an alouette, which is a South American howler monkey.
0: Hmm, okay, that's even cooler then, because... If you're imagining that what he's talking about is things get hunted all the time.
1: Apparently, that's on everybody's menu. Well, (laughs) yeah,
0: and and it's a monkey, right? So it's closer to human. I mean, we've got this, it's almost like a little a little either a little hint or again kind of right. foreshadowing or something the other thing too is we were talking about how everything in votalist's camp seems like it's supposed to maybe bring up the elves but now you've got jonah saying i can hear them because elves are supposed to be silent so it's kind of just <laughs> it's taking a little bit of that mystique off of them
1: but they are out you know walking among out
0: the trees so yep they're out there but they're they're not quite so silent as elves really are
1: on the other hand uh Severian points out that people Don't hunt howler monkeys at night, and it's going to be dark in an hour or so. So they agree to wait and then get out of Dodge.
0: Yep. I also like this. This is just that thing Wolf does, that whenever there's something really emotional or really intense that people realize – everybody kind of gets down to mechanics, right? It's right. like the same mm-hmm. thing to talk about or mechanics things like, well, we can't go at, we can't go now, but maybe at night it would be dark and they wouldn't see us as well. Like you get into those little technical discussions always to either just put off talking or facing the thing that's really scary, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's not, it's not hiding any kind of deep revelation here that it does sometimes. But yeah, I mean, I still, we're going to get to the one pretty quick, but the thing I always think about that is after the, chamber when Severian's in the hallway and he randomly sees Heather's buddy in Mm -hmm. in the shelf and you're like what the hell was that and instead (laughs) the rest of the chapter you get like discussion of oh well I knew that probably if I went to the other side it was a parallel architectural construction so I (laughs) probably would have found another closet similar to the which is like dude (laughs) <laughs> I was hiding and you've just had this weird antechamber thing. And he's like, that's all right. I'm going to safely think about architecture. And
1: a- and the white wolves that are running around in the walls. Exactly. And... <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm just going to figure out how to move from point A to point B and make it easier. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway. Then Jonas mentioned something you did too, just a minute ago. He mentions that when Severian encountered Vodalus and Thea and Hildegren digging up a grave, he should have known what they were up to. And of course, in fact, he did. It helped prompt his conversation with Olden. But Severian says that, quote, it had been a remote and seemingly irrelevant knowledge then. I don't know how that could be, but okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) theoretical maybe, you know, and it sort of points back to his immaturity, right? Like he was yeah. still fascinated by, oh, but Vodalus, the guy, it's like, oh, you met him when he was digging up a grave? Yeah, 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 but it was Vodalus. <laughs> like, why was he digging, could, why is he grave robbing? I don't know, but Vodalus, he gave me a coin.
1: But how yeah. could that not color your thoughts and your, oh, yeah. uh, of the, what you view Vodalus, that he's digging up a grave to eat it? Yeah. I mean, he knows yeah. what he's doing there. Every, the volunteers know what they're doing. Everybody knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that seems very much, again, like Severian just being very naive, like starting off so young and so naive.
1: Right. Well, anyway, it matters now. But before it got dark, four men come and get them. Eco says, uh, four burly fellows who might have been peasants and carried burditches. Uh, A burditch is a halberd or polearm battle axe. And there's a fifth guy leading them that, quote, has something of an armiger about him. He wears an officer's spadroon. Later, one of the men will refer to him as Waldgrave. That's not his name. There's no St. Waldgrave. Waldgrave is a title. Thank you, Lexicon Earthus. It's a noble title. It refers to the head forest keeper. And a spadroon is a British officer's sword, just a hilted sword.
0: Right. But all this, again, is kind of, reinforcing the Lodalist still has the hierarchies, right? Like yeah. armagers are still mm-hmm. in charge. And yeah, so for a rebel, he's remarkably
1: old school. <laughs> right. In that sense. Yeah. So anyway, they didn't just send Juni Old to get him. They are leaving no doubt that this is not a voluntary appointment. Yeah. And they've seen Severian's entrance, and they are treating them as armed and dangerous. They surround them with their weapons ready but they talk to them like, hey, pal, how's it going? So they just take it as well as they can. And Jonas makes small talk as they walk through the wood. But Severian is silent and can think of nothing except that he's about to eat a person. He says, I walked as I might have to the end of the world. Well, there's some for- foreshadowing there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The sun goes down as they walk. Actually, Severian says, quote, Earth turned her face from the sun he can't even see the starlight through the treetops so it's totally dark but the men trudge forward without any problem
0: yeah and that that turning of the earth that's another time that i like how wolf he puts them all throughout here that he never falls back on the idea that the sun or the moon is circling around the earth like they're always Mm -hmm. very aware that the sun is the still point and the earth is moving yes Um, so you know even though it seems all medieval, he's. Even in these throwaway moments, he's always really, really, really pushing that sort of heliocentric attitude towards all this that they have, which
1: is cool. And Wolf seems to avoid cliches very well Mm -hmm. in this. The prose is great. Severian wants to ask if he'll really have to eat the meal, but he knows that if he be refused, he would be seen as disloyal. They'd be treated as prisoners. They might even be killed. The guards just get more cheerful the closer they get to dinner.
0: They were gossiping as if they were on their way to a drinking bout or a brothel. Yet, though I recognized the note of anticipation in their voices, the jibes they made were as unintelligible to me as the banter of libertines is to a little child.
1: Yeah, you know, like uh, people talking about sex and stuff and wild acts to a little kid. One of them says, Going far this time? Going to drown yourself again?
0: By Erebus, I'm going to sink so far you won't see me until winter.
1: The armiger says, Have any of you seen her yet? This is actually kind of creepy. Severian says the others had sounded merely boastful, but there was a hunger of a kind that I had never heard before behind his simple words. He might have been some lost traveler asking about his home.
0: Yeah. And to have this all connected with a sort of casual, swear to Erebus there I mean it could just be a throwaway line but definitely what we know about them now yeah just be an honest oath (laughs) you know like
1: I'm really gonna do it instead of the Increate, they're swearing to Erebus right Mm. they're they're um idolaters so to speak yeah yeah satanists (laughs) yep they haven't seen the bride yet photolist calls it the bride or perhaps alternately the host as the term for the Eucharist is in Mass. Did, did you know that the word host, as in the Eucharist, comes from a Latin word meaning sacrifice, which goes back supposedly to an earlier term for enemy or stranger, which suggests the use of enemies and aliens in the ancient Rome. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: It's also a less less holy etymology there for that yeah.
1: word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, no one's seen her yet, except for one of the guys named Alcmund, he says it's a good one, not too old or too young, and someone says, "Not another triadd, I hope a tribad is a lesbian. A couple of questions here first, I'm not sure why the armager would have a problem with joining with a lesbian. Wouldn't that be less confusing from a sexual preference standpoint mm-hmm. Secondly, do they get a lot of lesbians, and why I think the purpose of this conversation is that their tone is objectifying and disrespectful to the person whose yeah. body that they're going to devour. I hope we're not having meatballs for dinner again, you know, this this is yeah. a party for them.
0: But that point about yeah, about wouldn't there be some weird sexual dissonance,
1: right? right. If you're if you're
0: having a woman, you would you would think, but again, that kind of goes to me to just not it's easy when we read this to think that the experience that they have is the same as what Severian has but I think this is where his memory really becomes the real Mm -hmm. plot point that you're looking for is that for him, everything is probably way more clear and ultimately somehow integrated with his personality. Whereas I think for most people, it's more vague that I'd say it's more like a hallucinatory trip than, than what Severian gets, which is now I can relive her actual life in memory. Yeah. Um, So all of this too, that, yeah, I think the major thing that, that you say is right that that the big thing here is that it's totally like a meal and it's right. very material and they don't think about the person necessarily as a real person it's just an opportunity for them to yeah to have have this experience but yeah the lesbian thing just was interesting because it certainly feeds into that you know oh i just i don't i don't want something that's not to my tastes, or
1: mm-hmm. it
0: just sort of makes it seem like a, a quick judgment but that That also, the more I think about it, yeah, that this is a bunch of men standing around saying they don't want that, makes it seem stranger. Like you would assume, yeah, that if they're just wanting some kind of some weird gratification thing. uh, Yeah, it just seems to sort of distance them so much from the experience that it's just way less intimate than what Severian describes.
1: There's nothing sacred about this moment for them.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: As it might be for, for Thea, who's also going to participate.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: And also, you know, if Vodalus and Thea considered this activity necessary to win the war and get to space, because they'd need this ancient knowledge or wider knowledge, he wouldn't have to share it with the leadership of his army. He's using these events to bind them to his cause as a kind of ritual and love drug, and also to eliminate people who are not fully committed to the cause.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's definitely what's coming across here. The question then for me is why then Thekla? like why go to the trouble of getting a special person? Like why wouldn't just any old corpse work? Um, and maybe, maybe that's just part of the, I don't know, the, the show of the thing is letting people who aren't, who are, who are lower class get at least a taste of, you know, someone special and someone up close and just to make it feel more like a kind of initiatory thing. But um, but, yeah, I feel like for the most part, despite what he says about how we all need to bond and we need to maintain memory, it's like if you really did, would a concubine really be the person whose memory you need to, you know, keep the human race going? You know, it's like it seems like instead you should do a scientist or something
1: like that. Yeah. Well, if, um, it's, if the purpose is like to spy what's going on at the house absolute she Mm -hmm. has been you know in that inner circle she's been at the house she might have knowledge of some sort in that case it does make sense it just doesn't make sense that he would have everybody do it yeah yeah so anyway now they arrive another interesting memory hole the guy says i don't and then the voice broke off or perhaps he only stopped attending to what was being said. Again, Severian is vague on the details. If you doubt, he really has an eidetic memory. Here is confirmation for you. I I think the explanation is something different, but there will never be a consensus about these books.
0: Right. And this is totally one of those places where he specifically says, and then I couldn't remember exactly what happened. And again, it's, Because of his attention. And, you know, I I feel like I'm less bugged by it because he talks about what really matters are the things that he paid attention to or the things that he was Mm -hmm. captured or kind of caught his attention. And so, yeah, at this point, he's already talked about being totally sort of horrified and distracted. So it seems like if if you're going to have a failure of your superpower (laughs) at some point, this is a decent, decent candidate for when that would happen.
1: Yeah. So they get closer and closer to the lights, and finally someone shouts for them to halt. The armager whispers a password to the guard. Next thing, Severian is sitting on forest duff. Duff is the leaves and sticks and stuff on the forest floor. This isn't a glade, really. They, I guess they are all you know, roughly in a huge circle of 30 or 40 people. He doesn't say so, but it seems there must be other circles nearby if the peasants are being involved as well. That's what I was wondering,
0: but I don't know that he really mentions it. Like, it seems like this is maybe something really just for the maybe the higher levels or the officers Mm -hmm. or the if if not the actual officers, at least the higher ranks, like the low servants, the menials don't get to participate. This is still a pretty select thing.
1: Well, maybe they get to participate later, right? Separately.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I kind of got the sense that they don't do it at all like this is the one place and they talk about how the the analeptic is very dear and you don't want to take more than you have to and um so yeah that's that maybe we're just a little different on that part but i i was getting the sense this time that it was very much a still a select group that again Votulus says it's to bind us all together but it's not it's it's <sighs> to to bind a group of them
1: but what about the peasants who are talking about oh, i'm going to go so deep i'm going to drown myself those guys are,
0: those guys are soldiers, right? So they're fighters and they're, they're, it still they might seems like. They be involved, like, maybe. Yeah, you know. there's, there's, there's still a warrior class kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but if you're talking about, yeah, the, the people who have to haul the furniture around the forest or whatever, <laughs> like those, those guys may not get to do this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Jonas is on Severian's right. And there's a low chair of carved wood on Severian's left. So Severian's going to be sitting at Votilus' right, and Votilus gets a little chair. No sitting on the ground for him. Not for the king. (laughs) So the the armiger is on the other side of Jonas. In the center of this big circle is a, quote, smoky orange lantern suspended from the boughs of a tree. They're literally surrounded on all sides by trees. They're in the forest itself. Not everyone is here. About, like we said, about a third of the numbers that Severian saw in the glade. These are the people of the highest ranks, judging from their clothes and weapons. Also, people from more elite war teams. Severian says the more elite fighting cadres, but cadre just means group.
0: By the way, one thing I, as just thinking about a sort of satanic mass here that, that, um, Lantern seems a lot like um, like a sanctuary lamp or something, you know, one, mm-hmm. something I think that is supposed to sort of represent already a church like area. So if we're thinking specifically of Catholic things, I think, and and again, I was not raised Catholic, but isn't there supposed to be like a certain sanctuary lamp that's always lit in most
1: Catholic well, churches? The, I don't know. We'll have to get some input on that. I was also was not raised Catholic, so yeah. I don't know.
0: But I was just thinking about that as, as another thing that, is yeah calling back to
1: everything that we got going on he says that there were four or five men to every woman uh, like our audience probably but you know (laughs) that's just the way it is but the women who are there look as quote warlike as the men and if anything more eager for the feast to begin there's a bit of a wait, and then he says, Vodalus stepped dramatically out of the darkness and strode across the circle. Everyone stands until he sits in his little carved chair. Next, a guy dressed in the uniform of an upper servant in some great house stands in the center of the circle under the lantern. Severian guesses he's probably you know, servant, and that he went into exile with him. And considering what happened to Thea's maid, that's probably the right choice for him. The guy has a salver, a tray that waiters carry drinks on. And on it, there's a large bottle and a small bottle and a crystal goblet.
0: Yeah. So now we're getting more of the sort of accoutrement of the mass here. Um, Now, thinking servants, like this guy is interesting to me because the idea of a high, highly important servant who follows his master into exile that's something that i mean i honestly i think about like shakespeare's play as you like it where there's the the duke's court that has to go mm-hmm. in exile but he's got all his servants with him and follow him so you've got that but i was also thinking a little bit of odillo oh yeah and just something about mm-hmm. servants who seem to know a whole lot about what's going on like this guy he calls him in the livery of a servant but he's a full-on performer and he's in the midst of organizing mm-hmm. this you know crazy ritual so yeah, he's a priest. He's, the, he's, he's like a the chef. chef, chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's he's more than more than just a servant. Like you, you've got this whole sort of weird religious ceremony that's going True. on. But you've got this guy who's doing all the things of a priest, but called a servant. Just another way that it seems like you kind of got the 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 classes mixed up a little bit here
1: and right. well, upside down. Well, who knows what the uh, uniform for a servant is in this world? Maybe yeah, yeah maybe he's in black outfit with a white collar and yeah yeah something for the movie everyone is in a circle it's very describes them as hundreds of murmurings with satisfaction but but like you said he clarifies it's like 30 or 40 people he says they're making sounds of quick breathings and tongues on lips
0: Mm -hmm. creepy Gross. (laughs) Gross. <laughs> yeah, also <laughs> gross. Like just the salivation. And, and I mean, he'll describe that for himself here in just a second. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the the creepiness of the very physical sort of nature of hunger and eating and mouth noises and
1: yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. When everyone quiets down, the servant walks elegantly to Vodalus. Severian the hears Thea say behind him, The alzabo of which I told you is in the smaller bottle. The other holds a compound of herbs that soothe the stomach. Take one full swallow of the mixture. Vodalus is kind of surprised to see her here, and I suppose she had been given a pass on participating. But she walks into the circle between Vodalus and the waiter and then sits on the other side of Vodalus. It's obvious she's making a statement here. Mm-hmm. It seems that this is a hint that even among the Votilarii, This feast is not something you would expect to do to a family member. It's potentially an act of contempt. But Thea is showing everyone that she's all in on this project. Votelis starts to say something to her, but the waiter begins to mix the content of the bottle into the goblet. And Votelis stops because, you know, this is an important moment. Yep.
0: Now, do you have any sense of what he might have been going to say there? Like, I mean, yeah, it seems like I thought like you weren't.
1: Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I thought you weren't coming and
0: yeah, it just, it, again, whenever Wolf has somebody start to say something and then not, it always, there's a whole story it all, there, yeah. always <laughs> makes me worry. But yeah, that maybe he's even worried that this is going to be a problem. Like, that's what I wonder, like, mm-hmm. is there some, some kind of drawback that could happen here? we never get anything. I don't think confirmed about that. Um, well, she does. Just, yeah.
1: She says that when, you know, someone, well, it's very. it can be yeah, very confusing because you have that's the same true. memories of the same events from different perspectives. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, it, it it just still strikes me as an odd thing that I'm not exactly sure what Votalis might have said there or what we're supposed to take away from Because, yeah. yeah, I certainly but, get the idea that he would have been like, are you sure you want to do this? But yeah, yeah. is that something Wolf really needed to throw in there? And that, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Well,
1: yeah, she wasn't expecting. I don't think she was expected to be there. She, she's yeah. kind of surprising everyone that she's going right. to be there. Yeah, and everyone is going to drink from the same goblet so parallel to a Christian mass is pretty obvious Mm -hmm. the waiter mixes the contents of the glass by gently swirling the tray without touching the goblet it's more ceremony I suppose Mm -hmm. and when it's ready Votilus says very good and takes the goblet with both hands and drinks and then passes it to Severian he says as Thea told you You must take one full swallow. If you take less, the amount will be insufficient and there will be no sharing. If you take more, there'll be no benefit to you, and the drug, which is very precious, will be wasted. Severian says the drink is, quote, as bitter as wormwood and seemed cold and fetid. Wormwood is an herb used as a bittering spice it's has other potential uses as well it's an ingredient in absinthe for example
0: yeah that's the one i was thinking of mainly that yep it's already kind of a um yeah supposedly hallucinogen
1: right no small sense and mainly it reminds him of the day that he had to clean a sewer drain from the journeyman's quarters on a winter day Mm -hmm. Uh, is it possible this is the very event when he saw Triskle's body and potentially resurrected him.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Like it's it, mm-hmm. that's the only other time he's mentioned that before and remember, reading it for the first time, you don't necessarily know that Triskle was resurrected, right? Um or that that's not even right. something that's really you're even going to be hinted at the first time you read it. To bring it up here though, where he's going to resurrect someone in his mind, it it totally fits.
1: Yeah, and Severian is basically uh, comparing the taste of this uh, wonderful elixir to... Sewage. Sewer water, yeah. or Toilet water. Yep. For a moment, Severian thinks he's going to throw up, which would be embarrassing. But he manages to get the swallow down and pass the cup to Jonas. Jonas has as much difficulty as Severian did, and then he passes the cup to the armiger. And we're going to learn Jonas was pretending to drink and he'll pretend to eat.
0: Yep. At least he says he was. And I, yeah. I think that's true. But um, but there are a couple of things with Jonas later on that m- make me wonder if he really was pretending or if he did drink some, but it maybe had some different kind of
1: yeah. reaction. Oh, I want to hear that. We'll
0: see. We'll see.
1: Then Severian, like you say, immediately starts salivating rapidly as he watches the cup go around the circle. The cup holds enough for 10 swallows, and then the waiter wipes the rim, refills it, and then begins again. The drug is having some kind of an effect. The waiter begins to, quote, lose the solid form natural to a rounded object and become a silhouette only, a mere colored figure sawn from wood. I was reminded of the marionettes I had seen in my dream on the night I had shared Baldander's bed. Is there any uh, literary connection to that? Um,
0: I don't know um, about the, the literary connection. I mean, the whole idea of having the world start to seem a little bit more cartoony, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is kind of what, what he's describing here. I mean, that's, that's pretty indicative of like what a lot of people will experience with hallucinogens. And Mm -hmm. um, the, the, Usually you'll talk about like crazy colors, but also that losing the solid form and sort of losing your depth perception Mm -hmm. is kind of something that, that, yeah, that happens. (laughs) Um, And, um, but so that's one thing that seemed sort of realistic, but, and so then to have the marionette be reminded there, that to me just seemed like a cool way to sort of go from what i think seems kind of realistic about a drug experience to the connection back to the dream logic of now we're getting in this world where just the way things work is uh it's almost like it seems cartoony but it might actually be getting to some sort of more realistic symbolic world in some mm-hmm. ways just like how the marionettes really do stand in for something pretty essential about maybe the fight between Baldanders and Severian and who's a toy and who's really weak and who's strong or, and who's being, you know, a puppet like that dream logic actually shows you some other kind of more fundamental truth. And he's kind of describing something similar here of reality seeming like it's losing its flatness, but in that process, you're able to see something else that yeah, is maybe a little bit more real, like as he just describes the circle here in a second. Um, he describes it as it uh, seems like it was cut from paper and bent like a toy crown, mm-hmm. which is very much accurate of what Vodalus is like, right? It's a paper toy crown. That's kind of bent mm-hmm. and ugly when you really see the truth of it, that he's not a real King, even though he wants to sit in a throne here and act like the, and everything else he's not. Um, so again, that's sort of on the one hand, it seems like it's messing up your perception, but what it actually does is maybe show you some other kind of truth.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, perhaps in the same way that we'll learn Vodeless is a manipulated figure, a puppet, mm-hmm. perhaps Bald Anders is also something of a a puppet, a manipulated could figure.
0: Could be. But, yeah, that's what I took to. Now, as far as whether or not there's something about the marionettes in this particular situation that comes up, that's where I'm less sure Mm-hmm. Maybe the connection there is, yeah, just like you said, Votalis is Votalis and Baldanders, and even Severian to some extent at this point are, yeah, just being played and manipulated, and so it would it would make sense that Severian maybe picks up on that in some sort of subconscious way, and that's why the the image comes back. Um, the only other thing I could think was that if you think that dream was sent by the Undines, right by by Avaya, mm-hmm. as some people do. Maybe this is another kind of connection, like something about the Alzabo I mean Vodala says that this was given to us by our friends, right like that right like, by them um so there's something here that's connected to that, like yeah. something about this is uh not just sort of symbolically satanic but literally from these monsters and serves their purposes in some way or another. Or at least is supposed to, and maybe something about Severian turns it into something better. <laughs> and like,
1: yeah, yeah. How does how is how is Vodeless being manipulated? There's obviously the 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 Megatherians are giving him this recipe, this concoction for a reason. Maybe maybe we'll get some other uh, some insight into that later on yeah. in this and chapter.
0: The only the one thing that comes to mind is like we were talking about last time about how or shoot maybe it was a couple times ago in the um in the comments but about how there is a similarity between what the megatherians want and how the Ashians are which is that they're easy to manipulate they all kind of think the same thing doing this by by having someone else's memories in you it can be seen as a kind of hive mind thing, right? Like it's helping you sort of share this experience. You all have the same memories. Now you could look at it as it's almost helping you overcome that sort of sense of individuality by we all now share some experiences. We
1: -hmm. realize
0: that our, I don't know, maybe whatever is unique about us is something that anybody else could have if they just have the right drugs. There's something about it that could seem to serve that purpose of helping people, down the path to being more like the Ashians, where everybody's the same.
1: Oh, that's a good point. If everybody is experiencing these memories and incorporating in, in mm-hmm. them, then over time, they are becoming more the yeah, same homogenized than maybe. different.
0: Yeah. And then what Severian does that's different, though, is he brings all that particularity out, right? Like, it's, it's not right. just sort of the vague sense of Thecla. She actually, I think, comes to life again in him. And that's totally not mm-hmm. what they want, because now it's just there's two people <laughs> and, and the distinctions are still there. And, and it helps them understand each other better. So it's, again, kind of, you know, just like this, this is kind of a corruption of the mass. Severian is kind of corrupting the corruption <laughs> in a certain way. His <laughs> his power actually turns this into a good thing, I think. Yeah. But yeah, but that's that's the connection I see between why this would be a megatherian thing. Is that it? It does seem like maybe it's breaking down, or at least the intent is to break down individual people's sense of who they mm. are.
1: You're right. Well, Vodalus and Jonas are close to Severian and they appear normal, but the armiger and Thea were, quote, half pictured. I guess that means unreal, like a two dimensional picture. When the waiter gets close to her, Vodalus gets up and moves to the center of the circle.
0: And then it says, in the orange light, he seemed far away. Yet I could feel his gaze as one feels the heat from the brazier that readies the irons.
1: Volus says, there is an oath to be sworn before sharing. So Varian writes that, quote, the trees above us nodded solemnly, which uh, could be a sense from the effect of the drugs, I assume, mm-hmm. he goes on. By the second life you are to receive, do you swear you will never betray those gathered here and that you will consent to obey without hesitation or scruple to death if need be, voteless as your chosen leader? Their oath is to voteless and voteless alone.
0: And notice, too, the corruption of the second life, right? Like second life here is not... It's right. not actually salvation. It's not being
1: born exactly. again. Yeah.
0: It's and and again, that's that weird thing where what I really like where Wolf always does these things that when you copy something, it can be good, it can be bad. When you repeat something, um, like this is a horrible thing, but something about Severian also turns it into a good thing. And yeah, it's it's not a real life for most of these people, but it actually does resurrect Thecla. It's in some that's way true. in in Severian. Um, that's not the. I don't think that's the intent, but that's definitely what happens. But it's just another, another cool thing that Wolf is so good at of, of having those things that seem to be corrupted, but then they can also actually be yeah good at the same time,
1: right? So Varian says, "I tried to nod with the trees, and when that seemed insufficient, I said I consent," and Jonas said yes, and Votalis goes on. He says. And that you will obey as you would Vodalus any person whatsoever whom Vodalus sets over you? Yes, yes. And that you will put this oath above all other oaths, whether sworn before this time or after it? We will, yes. The breeze was gone. It was as if some unquiet spirit had haunted the gathering and then suddenly vanished. (laughs) Um,
0: One thing there, too. Jonas has no problem saying this oath and then not believing it. Right. Like that's just yeah, something yeah. I think, again, Jonas is totally practical, right? Like there's something <laughs> yeah. about him that's just like, yeah, you know, just like he was saying, yeah, I know it's probably the wrong thing to kill Asia, but I probably would have done it. Um, even here, like he's, he's not worried at all about lying in some sort of sacred oath where is that's the kind of thing that would bug Severian, you know, even though even if he does go against it, it's going to, Something about it later on is going to kind of bother him. Um, but for Jonas, nah, whatever. I'll just say it. <laughs> you know, lying and deception and pretending to eat and not, he has no problem with it. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing in his case, right? Like, I, I, I think that's actually presented uh, ultimately as something about him that is part of a good thing about his character.
1: But I've also kind of postulated that perhaps Jonas is working as a spy, for Abaya, And yet, you know, <laughs> hmm. these fellow uh, servants of abaya if that theory is true, Genesis doesn't have any respect or truck with them at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And either way, I don't think he's got any respect for these people, no matter what. At this point, he's just trying right. to save yeah. his butt.
1: Yeah. So. Right. Exactly.
0: So so we go on. Um, Votilus was once more in his chair beside me. "'He leaned toward me. "'If his voice was slurred, I didn't observe it, "'but something in his eyes told me "'he was under the influence of the Alzabo, "'perhaps as deeply as I was myself. "'I'm no scholar,' he began, "'but I know it's been said that the greatest causes "'are often joined by the basest means. "'Nations are united by trade. "'The fair ivory and rare woods of altars and reliquaries "'are joined by the boiled offal of ignoble animals. "'Men and women are united by the organs of elimination.' So we are joined, you and I, so will we both be joined a few moments hence to a fellow mortal who will live again, strongly for a time, in us, by the effluvia pressed from the sweetbreads of one of the filthiest beasts. So blossoms spring from muck. This was taught us by our allies, those who wait until man is purified again, ready to join with them in the conquest of the universe."
1: So, so, like I said, Vodalus learned this ritual from Abaya and Erebus somehow. Uh, who knows what their motivation was?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, the other thing too is that there is still some pride here. Like those those creatures are vast; they're massive. Mm-hmm. Vodalus has a few hundred people, right? But he's like they are our allies, <laughs> and and he's saying here, you know, like I am, you know, this, swear swear allegiance to me, and it's not like to these powers. So Vodalus still very much thinks that he's his own. Leader. He's his own. He's in control of what's going on, where I think it's it should be pretty clear that if they can actually control entire nations to the north and, and have all these powers that he would just be a pawn.
1: Well, he calls them his masters, but I don't think he appreciates the real meaning of that term. Yeah. He uh, notes that this uh, Alzabo concoction was brought by the others for foul purposes. They hoped to keep secret. These others are the hieros, and the purposes is for the use for the autark. I don't think we can elucidate this text better than it already does. We learn that the herodules are known as cacogens by commoners and extra by educated people, that is, people from beyond the solar system. And others call them herodules. And Votilus warns Severian to avoid drawing their notice because they can detect the signals that someone has used the El Zabo drug and having used the drug, it identifies you as a Votolari or at least as an ally of the Megatherians.
0: Yeah, which which is weird, um, you know, because, and I don't know if I'm overthinking it, but the logic of that passage seems weird because he's like, yeah, the Hieraduals actually brought this stuff, but they had an evil purpose for it, but we learned about it from right. the <laughs> Megatherians and they had a good
1: reason for it. Um, They're good stuff. We do get a, a hint again that the fact that the autark has used this drug and that he has lots of all the memories of all the previous autarks, this is something that's a great secret. Mm, yep. And this is what, what Thekla means when she says, you know, the autark isn't like normal people. Right. Right.
0: Um, and also here, this is the first time we really get, I think cacogens, the word cacogens connected to the higher Is this the first time we get the word higher Yeah.
1: I think this seems to be the first time. Yeah.
0: The first time we get that word, and obviously, from what we know from especially Earth of the New Sun, Hiro and Hyrule, that's going to be the name for the uh, Yasadis, right? For the the angelic beings. And we've mentioned this before, but the word itself means temple slave or holy slave. Um, uh, I think literally it actually means temple slave. Yeah, or Hiro can mean sacred or holy or like belonging to a temple.
1: So it's it's the same thing as... uh... Is it is it like uh, Agia, in the sense that it's uh, like it means saint or holy? Specifically, doesn't mean holy or sacred.
0: It can mean sacred, sacred or holy. the um, The word itself was, and and this is I'm going off of you know internet searches here, but the word itself was commonly used to mean a slave that was owned or employed by a temple. Oh. Um, so. To call them a higher, like a holy slave, doesn't necessarily mean that it was some kind of you know sacred position or something like that. But it could have just been like For a sacred purpose, owned, yeah. owned by, yeah. But so, first of all, it's a cool word. <laughs> it's, it's an <laughs> obvious like thing that I think Wolf would be attracted to. It also does a cool thing of making you wonder. Like even at this point, if you look it up, the idea of a holy slave or a sacred slave is confusing, right? Because it puts you in this position where okay, Votalist is saying these are bad things they're extra solarians. they're slaves of something else which means that they would be like maybe servants of, of bad things but then you got the holy part or the the sacred part which should be if you look that up confusing because Votalis, you would think he would say oh we're in league with the actual good side mm-hmm. of things right um but point being it's a weird word he throws it in here that's the name that we get for the aliens whatever they happen, whether they're human or not, we now get this other sense that there's this whole other world of significance, that things would be slaves or sacred or whatever, and that we don't get really any explanation about it at all.
1: Well, one other thing is that we do discover that they are artificial, right? They are contrivances. At least one of them. Not not hierogrammatis, although I think maybe them too, but the the word robot essentially means slave
0: right and and we do know that at least Asapego is definitely right. <laughs> like, like officially artificial well um, but yeah, the other two he, yeah
1: he's yeah he's he's robot robot but right, i think those right. two are they, yeah. they only live like 20 uh years or so so they yeah. don't they, they aren't robots but. right
0: which with all the time traveling they do doesn't seem to matter <laughs> <Like> that's that's <laughs> the weird thing it's like they they are yeah they time travel all over the place and they meet severian at bunch of different right. points in his life so but um anyway just pointing out that when it comes up the name for these other things and and how you interpret the high row the high row everythings how you interpret those has a whole lot to say with what you think about what's really going on in book of the new sun at all mm-hmm. whether you think they actually are somehow higher and angelic and maybe more maybe closer to the the increate. Where other people think that they're just, you know, aliens or future humans who are just manipulating the past to help them evolve and and survive, um, and so therefore, on that reading, everything that's going on in this manipulation behind the scenes is all sort of a bit of a sham, just to, right. to it looks holy, but it's not.
1: But you also have to understand that higher that holy means set apart, set aside. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, malleability. Oh, yeah. Term. You, we we said it for religious uh, and spiritual purposes, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way.
0: No. Nope. Um, but I just think it's so cool that the first place we get that word is in this context where you have really no good sense to know what it means. Like, I think by this point, everybody should be on edge you know first time you read it you should be on edge about votalists because mm-hmm. you know it seems like okay now we're getting in there he's about to do cannibalism here and he seems like he wants power he doesn't seem like that much of a of a rebel um and he doesn't like these guys uh so that <laughs> seems maybe a point in their favor i'm not sure but then also the <laughs> fact of what he calls them that higher duels will you know a slave nobody wants to be on the side of slaves Slaves. or slave owners. And um, so it's just so cool how the first time that word comes up, you have so many different sort of conflicting associations that you have no idea (laughs) what, whether or not, even though it's a glimpse, maybe into something in the background, you don't know what it is other than that. They're opposed to the megatherians. It seems
1: that's it. That's all (laughs) right. And when Volus mentions the words house absolute, yeah, the very end's ears just really pick up. Yeah. He says, quote, though only for an instant, the thought dispersed the mists of the drug.
0: Yeah, Vodalus says, indeed, I have a fellow there to whom I must transmit certain instructions. And I've learned that the troop of players to which you once belonged will be admitted there for a theasis a few days hence.
1: A theasis is a religious ritual of Dionysus feast. I always imagine like a Mardi Gras parade, but... You know, when he gets to the house absolute, it's going to look more sedate if you ignore the naked actors on stage. <laughs> no one really knows the etymology of this word. It seems to be a foreign import to Greece, which would not be surprising since Dionysus religion itself seems to be an import. This is only the beginning of Dionysus references in the solar cycle. When we get to long sun, short sun, I've always associated Quetzal as Dionysus in the world's demonic Mount Olympus. And I was generally surprised by the extent to which silk is associated with Dionysus in the book of the short sun. I've said a theasis is a Dionysian event, but there were also marine theasis celebrating Poseidon or even some other sea god. And Dionysus himself has a lot of sea connotations. You know how Jesus is often said to have a lot of signifiers of pagan religions, and Christians, going back to the second century, replied, darn right he does. Well, Dionysus was like that, and and strange, and it, he had a complicated origin to the same degree. You can imagine Athena or Zeus or just about any other Greek gods evolving from your standard off-the-shelf tribal deities, but Dionysus is super-complicated And even C.S. Lewis remarked on how ancient devotion to him prefigured something real that he seemed to be a parallel of his own to the Christian faith.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot about Dionysus dying and being reborn. Um, Mm -hmm. Like that's a big part of a a lot of the rituals. And um, so he's sort of about cycles of death and renewal, but obviously that's connected to to Christian stuff. Um, I think a lot of people, if you had sort of a standard philosophy, Education of Western stuff. Dionysus is usually associated with Nietzsche and supposedly being somehow essentially opposed to uh, Christian ideals because it's supposed to be all about, you know, letting yourself go and and mm-hmm. um, you know, finding natural instinctual rhythms and and all the sort of crazy chaotic side and, and not being in control at all. But, yeah, there there's a whole lot of mess with Dionysus and its relation to Christianity Um And again, to bring it up here is another kind of, or, or to have those similarities to some kind of, you know, crazy feast like that seems right. I mean, there's even, there, there actually is a whole Christmas side to this that I'm not going to make you know, (laughs) but but (laughs) there is a lot of cool possible connections to like Dionysus feasts and Saturnalia and Christmas celebrations, but I won't, Mm -hmm. I won't go there. But no, I like that here. And I like the the whole idea of like it being a bit like a Mardi Gras. Like um, uh-huh. like I remember when I when I was reading it this time, i I was listening uh and it said theasis and and I'd forgotten that word. And so in my head I'm I'm thinking like theater thespian? Like did were they having like a drama festival or something? <laughs> and then like, yeah, no, that's that's not quite it. Um but yeah, it's some kind of seasonal holy Celebration, maybe it is the closest we're gonna to get to Christmas in the solar cycle. I don't know.
1: Yeah. But Fotalus goes on. He tells Severian that he'll go to the house absolute and rejoin his group. And when we say his group, we mean Dr. tallis's troop. And while he's there, someone will say to him, The pelagic Argosy Sites Land and then he'll give the person an item that volus is going to hand to him. Yeah.
0: Oh, it went, One other thing, just to go back just a little bit. So uh, the other thing we should point out here is that this is the first time Vodalus says, oh, and by the way, we've been watching you for a long time, and this group that you're with, we know where they are too. That kind of goes by pretty quickly, but mm-hmm. the whole idea here is that, oh, well, they've been watching Severian and having him be followed for a long time. So this is one of the other times where I think you start to get the first hints of how much stuff is going on behind the scenes that involves yeah. Severian. And it goes by really quickly here, but yeah. Votalis didn't know that this was Severian from way back the kid, but they were still watching him in this troop for a long time. So somebody was keying him into the fact that Severian. Was
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he'll actually, yeah, he'll, he'll explain that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Pelagic means having to do with or living in open oceans, not lakes or seas or coastal waters. And Argosy is a naval fleet. So basically his saying is the ocean-going naval fleet sights land, right? Mm -hmm. And then if the agent gives him anything, then he'll give whatever he gives him to someone who says to him, I am from the queer scene penetralia. <laughs> uh, queer scene means having to do with an oak, so oaken. And penetralia is the innermost private secret recesses of anything, the sanctuary of a temple. So it's oaken. Uh, I'm at a loss for any single word, synonymous noun. Uh, I'm from the oaken secret recesses. I'm from the bowels <laughs> of the forest. And then Severian tells a lie. He tells us it's a lie. And this is kind of interesting because before Thea told Severian what was happening, I would say that was probably the highest moment of Severian's devotion to Voteless. And from that point on, He's really not a follower of Votilus. In fact, he's going to later say that when Votilus gives him, you know, this secret thing that he's supposed to hand to his agent in the House Absolute, he has no intention of of forwarding that on to anybody. Right. But Severian does tell a lie. He says, "Uh, my head is swimming. I can't remember those words. In fact, (laughs) I've forgotten them already. (laughs) Right. but hey dude did you just say Dorcas and the others are going to be in house absolute (laughs) so votalist gives him a steel object shaped something like a knife it reminds him of a flint strike and he assures severian that he will remember he says you will remember and you will never forget your oath to me many of those you see here came as they believed only once all right so I think he's saying that the potion will have an effect so that he'll always remember the words spoken under its influence and that when you give an oath under its influence, you'll never forget it. And many of the people that are following him, the first time they came, they thought it was just a lark. Hey, I'm going to go get stoned and eat a person. Mm-hmm. I'll swear an oath to vote because, you know, that's what I've got to do. But I've got no intention of becoming a traitor. But the oath got a hold of them in ways that they didn't expect. So here they are. Loyal followers of Vodalus. And in fact, I think it's made clear that Vodalus believes that by having Severian join temporarily to Thecla, a loyal follower who died rather than turn on him, that this is going to bind him closer to him. Mm-hmm. But I think we can agree that Severian's loyalty to Vodalus, well, that's over. After eating Thecla tonight, there's, there's no more vo- loyalty to Vodalus. He's yeah. never going to work for Vodalus as more than strictly a transactional agent. And He's going to join the army fighting Vodalus in the north. He probably doesn't realize that until he actually meets Vodalus again.
0: Mm-hmm. But he the thing, too, I think, is that he and Jonas were both so disgusted by this. I think it was the idea of, of the ceremony that probably shattered it in the end. And it just so happens that it's Thecla. And that's kind of what's keeping him here. And otherwise, I think they're still here because like this chapter started off with them wanting to, to run away, right? To get out. Yeah.
1: So, But the thing is, when he meets Phyllis again, he's going to say, I would still serve you if you would permit it. And says, I was not certain it was a lie until the words had left my lips. And then I was bewildered in my mind, seeking to understand how those words, which would have been true in the past for Thecla, and for Severian too, were now false for me. So for some reason that Severian doesn't even understand, not only is his oath under the drug no longer hold him, but also his memory of saving Volus, the memory that never faded and held him in chapter one of this volume because it felt so fresh and meaningful as if it just happened, even that held him but it's gone now. And he obviously already was somewhat disloyal before he lied to Volus just now. He said he couldn't remember the passwords when he knew he could. Or if you believe he doesn't have a perfect memory, then Severian believed he did. So if anything, and I don't know whether this is the case or not, but if anything, the Alzabo's effect immediately cause that old memory of saving votalists to fade so that the present circumstances could have a greater effect. Do you understand what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to that. And uh, honestly, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, how the, the drug kind of makes things look a little more fake, but then through that fakeness, you can see something more real. So here's, here's what I mean. Severian is always loyal to what he thought Votalist stood for right? I think that's something that the very first chapter makes plain. He's like, this set me on a path. And it's, that's where all the talk about the symbol is, right? Like the symbol changes you and taking that coin made him feel like he was part of, of something bigger that was fighting for something real. And I think that what he's eventually kind of comes to realize is I was still loyal to Votalist for what I thought he had stood for, but I'm no longer loyal to the real Votalist. I'm now loyal to the thing that's bigger that I know that he in my mind stood for and that's sort of setting him on a path to disobey basically right like Mm -hmm. like it's the first thing that said you know I can break out of this this habit and this this way that I've lived my life like it seems to me that's And again, sort of that weird contradiction of it's a new kind of oath and a new kind of commitment to some symbol that eventually tells him it's okay to disobey, (laughs) which which ultimately becomes obeying an even larger master. But whatever. Point is, all this mess with Votilus is I feel like it's it's really awkward for Severian because he knows there's something true in that fascination that he had for this rebellious figure but he also realizes that you know okay this this hero was not what i thought he was but but yeah but the thing that i was the the deeper kind of truth which may not have had anything to do with Vodalus at all but just what i thought i saw in him that's what he still respects does that make sense like i'm i'm not it
1: does but i think here's my My interpretation of the event is that the drug does get a hold of you. Mm -hmm. It does work. But Severian was going through something very different than Vodalus understood or expected that he would. Severian came here feeling very loyal. But when he's taking the drug, he has all of these terrible feelings towards Vodalus. And because of the drug's effect, he never forgets it.
0: Yeah. I get that. And maybe there's something about the drug letting you like really connect to somebody else with and like for Severian, it really lets him see the truth of Thecla. Right. And well, so maybe there's something here about it helps him kind of really connect to what Voteless is, you know, and then he doesn't like it. Like, and so it, it breaks down. That's that maybe that's the reason why that early memory fades a little bit was yeah. because it it's more about imprinting almost like that, like imprinting on <laughs> what's re, more powerful yeah, right gets, now.
1: Well, he, yeah, he gets a re-imprintment. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. like back when he saved Voteless, he had the first imprinting. Hey, now he's got a new imprinting. Yeah. So what's
0: kind of interesting about that, I've been reading a book lately called um, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, which is all about like recent research in psychedelics and therapy and stuff like that. But it's actually kind of cool because this is kind of what he's talking about, actually, about how oh. it seems like some of the hallucinogenic drugs work. Anyway, wow, that's a total tangent, but <laughs> different topic. And I don't think Wolf had that in mind with the El Zamba, but
1: Yeah, but. At this moment, Severian is primarily hooked on the fact that he's going to House Absolute. And Vodalus has given him a mission that was his primary mission anyway. He says, but sir, the House Absolute. And at that moment, the fluting notes of an upanga sounded from the trees behind the farther side of the circle. And upanga is a kind of bagpipe from southern India. And... I think it's the kind of thing we've, you're used to seeing when someone is charming a snake in a basket, you know, in, the, in all of the old pictures of, mm. you know, Sheckers in, in, in India and whatever. It's a very strange choice, since it seems to be a kind of signal for Vodalus from his men. It's a signal that the meal is coming. But actually, Votilus has another word for it. Like I said, I must go soon to escort the bride. And then we get a massive exposition dump. (laughs) When Severian encountered Hildegren, that's the name he uses as an alias, but Hildegren was surprised to see a torturer so far from the Citadel, and Hildegren was able to tell the difference between a Carnifex and a guild torturer, and he knew they only worked at the tower. And what was Severian mentioning Vodalus, he decided to have him watched, even though he didn't realize that Severian was the kid who saved Votalis. And Votalis uses the word, quote, that night, not the other night or you know so recently. So, alas, this is to my mind another misconfirmation for the theory that Severian saved Votalis very recently, at least for, from Votalis' perspective, within two or three weeks, which is too bad. That theory is still appealing to me for a number of reasons. Anyway, the Hildegren decided to have Severian watched, and I suppose they were at Aglis's execution, but his minder lost him at the wall. And in a little way, this could be thought of as another instance where Hathor's supposed assassination attempt might have actually helped him, in that it shook the spies off his trail. So they watched Talus's company, expecting that Severian would show up eventually. So and that was one operation that Vodalus had in play. And I guess they noticed that the torture showed up in Soltis. Maybe the innkeeper reported him, if the innkeeper is a spy. So Vodalus figures if this guy has been exiled from the tower, maybe he'd like to join them and help rescue his spy Bardock. And it would be interesting to know what he would have done. I don't I wonder about that. But unfortunately, Bolas showed up in Soltis last night, and Severian was gone, and someone stole his destrier, so they had run out of time. They couldn't count on wooing Severian to their side, so he sent men to abduct him and trade him for Barnach or, long shot, convince Severian to join them. In the end, he lost three men and got two, but he does say the men were instructed to bring him alive.
0: Yeah, so we do get a little bit of an explanation there about why they were watching Severian. Um mm-hmm. and it it makes sense, right? It it does seem like okay, well that's a that's logical, but at the same time it it's should put very the seed yeah. yeah, yeah. It yeah. should put the seed in your mind that okay, that's yeah, that yeah. How convenient. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but maybe he was instructed to have him watch, I don't know, maybe he was getting tips from the Megatherians. Um, maybe there's a reason and all that, but he can't know how important Severian is because he doesn't seem to recognize how important he is when he meets him again right. with the Autark.
0: Right. Which does lead to me having some questions about why he wants to have him killed. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to it. But, um, but yeah, also, and we learn later that, right, is following him too. So
1: right. the Undines are following Everybody's him. Everybody's well. watching him. He's mm-hmm. on stage. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So now Votalist stands up and staggers a little. Severian doesn't think he could have stood himself right then if he had to. And then something, quote, dim and white and twice the height of a man was sailing among the trees to the twittering of the Upanga. Everyone turns to look at it, and Bodilus sways off to meet it. Thea leans over and says, lovely, is she not? They have accomplished wonders. So what he sees is a silver litter on the shoulders of six men. And oh my gosh, it's Thecla. Mm -hmm. It looks just like her in the orange light. And then he realizes, no, no, it's a wax statue of her or something. Thea says in her cooey, dovey voice that it is considered dangerous to eat a person you've known in real life. She refers to the person being eaten as the shared it's confusing because you'll have two memories of the same event if you knew the person. But she says that she loved Thecla, and so she's going to risk that confusion. And she sensed when Severian spoke of her that he would want this too. <laughs> and If he had known, it seems that Votilis would not have had Severian take part in this, right? Yeah. Volus reaches up and touches the waxy figure's arm as it's carried into the circle, and there's a sweet and unmistakable odor. He remembers Holy Catherine's feast day when they served the agoutis. We, um, we talked about that, that they're a kind of large rodent. Mm-hmm. Their fur is spiced with coconut, and their eyes are replaced with fruit preserves. And suddenly he realizes this is a sculpture of a person, Thecla actually made of roasted flesh. He'd have freaked out, but the distancing effect of the album <laughs> protected him.
0: Yeah. And let's take a moment here to just realize how disgusting this is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like not only are we going to eat someone, but they've actually used the flesh and done that sort of weird medieval thing of like making food and animals look like other food and animals and creatures <laughs> and and yeah, uh, it's just like, to me, the fact that it was made to look like her is just the most disgusting thing. Cause you can't, you can't help, but start to think, okay, well, is that cooked food that's now shaped to her face or what did they do? Like, like what's the mechanics of this disgusting thing? Um, but yeah, it's just like, to me, this is the the really visceral part that makes me want to puke. Like, like, <laughs> he did. like, like, honestly, it's not even like the idea of Cannibalism by itself doesn't give me that visceral reaction, but this is one of the most disgusting things I've ever read, like it's like or, or seen in TV shows or whatever. Just the the whole image of this person being recreated in their own cooked flesh. Yeah, uh, it's just yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so I just had to get that out there, um, but. Yeah, and just because I can't really figure out the mechanics, but I can't help but, like, think about it, (laughs) and it's just (laughs) so disturbing.
1: And I think, and this is almost unique for Wolf, we get exposition that is not justified, and we don't have to work for it, right? He has this realization about what will happen when he eats this Thecla sculpture that is different from what happens to every other person except Thea.
0: I had another ally as well. It was the knowledge growing in me, the certainty that if I were to consent now and swallow some part of Thecla's substance, the traces of her mind that must otherwise soon fade and decay would enter me and endure however attenuated as long as I. Consent came. What I was about to do no longer seemed filthy or frightening. Instead, I opened every part of myself to Thecla and decked the essence of my being with welcome, desire came to born of the drug a hunger no other food could satisfy and when i looked around the circle i saw that hunger on every other face
1: again creepy but (laughs) how does he know this
0: yeah and when you mentioned you know unusual for wolf like that's where i was wondering like so and and i know i mentioned this a couple times but i feel like the Probably the main reason for me, at least why Severian has to have his perfect memory is so that Thecla survives in him forever. And so we get mm-hmm. this mixing of identity. So it's so important to what's going to happen here that we'll Wolf- wants to highlight it like it, it does seem like he wants to make sure but it also does seem important because i feel like what he's recognizing even though at the end of it he does say he recognized the hunger in every other face it does seem like that what he's saying is what's going to happen to me with thecla is something different from what other people are going to have um and it comes right after that point where thea says hey it's a bad thing to, mm-hmm. to have this with someone else but Severian turns that around and is like, no, he's looking
1: forward to it. Yeah. It's going
0: to be exceptional. And, um, yeah. And I mean, it's kind of cool. The way he describes this too is sort of that it turns Severian from revulsion to actual desire. And that's part of the step towards uh, you know, it seems really gross. And when you first read this passage, I think it's supposed to come across as, you know, oh, something's very wrong with this guy if he's now, you know, <laughs> experiencing this. But it's actually one step towards this being the really kind of sacred thing that it becomes, that it brings that club back. And he's recognizing it here. So um it's this is to me the moment where the satanic thing becomes non sat Like it's no longer corrupted. It becomes even more holy or even more sacred in a certain sense um and now i think i may i know there are some people out there who still feel like the whole process of this and even maybe Thecla coming alive in severian is itself monstrous but i that's not how i read it like i see this as very much severian being exceptions to the rules and yeah this this ends up being a true resurrection in a in a strange way but still very much a resurrection that is part of what makes severian ultimately you know able to take the test and pass it um but yeah but it's it's cool that wolf kind of goes he pushes through with the sort of disgusting uh, (laughs) weird part of this of like yeah it became actual hunger for this but but it's now a, a good hunger and i mean It's sort of weird. It's like I've heard people talk before about like when they're feeling really down, like um, I have heard people say like they actually felt hunger for the Eucharist a little bit, like when they're they're in real, real crises. I mean, I've heard that in different places. So it's not like it's totally out of left field. Uh, But yeah, anyway, I just it's a cool passage because like you said, it is weird for him to spell things out quite so well but um, but it, it makes sense because of how important this is.
1: Well I personally see this as another instance much like when Severian saw the painting in the gallery
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he doesn't know that it's taking place on the moon but he has a sense about it somehow mm-hmm. that oh yeah I, it kind of recalls the forest of the moon places he's never been to yeah. and he has this kind of psychic understanding of what's happening and how you read this makes all the difference i think if you read this scene and the scene with the the picture as a literary circumstance and that's the the author coming through yeah and giving you hints and foreshadowings if you read this as a fantasy then you say well you know severian's a very special person yeah and if you read this more as, as science fiction which i i I'm coming to more and more realize I do. Mm -hmm. You want an explanation for how Severian could know this was going to happen and know enough of it in order to hunger for it to happen. And I think the explanation, the only explanation, if you take that reading, is when, as you described, Severian is stretched between, his soul is stretched between two lives. He remembers an event from a previous iteration and he knows what's going to happen. Hmm. And that's how he knows suddenly that it, it, when he takes from Thecla, it's not going to fade because it didn't fade before. And that he sees it as a positive event and he hungers for it because he remembers. Yeah. Hmm. This is a memory thing, in my opinion. Interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could I could that, that works. Yeah. I still, in this one, I mean part of me is like yeah but it's just kind of a logical extrapolation from yeah i got a good memory <laughs>
1: so i'm going to remember
0: i'm going to remember this stuff for a long time but but no i, feel I mean i good I, about I myself see myself in
1: this case yeah <laughs> that seems like a lot of extrapolation yeah. <laughs> in this case he he's just learned how the whole thing works yeah. really <laughs> yeah well the waiter helped the uh, six guys carrying the litter to lower thecla To the ground, and as they do, they block Severian's view. And when they part, wow! There's nothing but a big plate of smoking meats, and her white gown is now just a white tablecloth.
0: Yeah, that's just another moment that just seems gross. It's like what did they do? Okay, let's just Uh took off her.
1: They took (laughs) off her dress, and when they pull it off and bring it down to the tablecloth, the meats come apart, and it's just just sliced brisket. Uh, That's what kind of the picture I have for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, variant eats and waits. He says, begging for forgiveness. She
0: deserved the most magnificent sepulcher, priceless marble of exquisite harmony. In its place, she was to be entombed in my torturer's workroom, with the floor scrubbed and the devices half disguised under garlands of flowers.
1: What does that mean? Is he calling his mind, this is this is the room that she sits in, in his mind, is his torturer's workroom, and he's, in his mind, he just covers all of the torture devices, the revolutionary, the crucifix, all of that in flowers, so that it looks prettier and nicer?
0: Yeah, I think so. He's kind of like saying, you know, un- instead she was going to have to live in me, and my my mind was a, like, those are the main memories in my, my little house. <laughs> That's yeah. what
1: my mind looks like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So he sits waiting for the effect, sweating in the cool night. He stares at the ground because he's afraid he'll see Thekla's face and the other people in the circle, because they've eaten her too, before he feels her inside himself. You know, sort of like the face of the woman that Severian saw in Alton's face.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which th- that to me is, that makes the Alton passage even more questionable mm-hmm. because now we're literally having a moment where Severian would have that experience. Um, So, yeah. So that suggestion that maybe Alton had done it really in some case. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, but yeah. So, so he goes on just when I despaired, she was there filling me as a melody fills a cottage. I was with her running beside the asses. When we were a child, I knew the ancient villa moated by a dark lake the view through the dusty windows of the Belvedere and the secret space in the odd angle between two rooms where we sat at noon to read by candlelight. I knew the life of the Autarch's court where poison waited in a diamond cup. I learned what it was for one who had never seen a cell or felt a whip to be a prisoner of the torturers, what dying meant and death. I learned that I had been more to her than I had ever guessed and at last fell into a sleep in which my dreams were all of her. Not memories, merely. Memories I'd possessed in plenty before. I held her poor, cold hands in mine, and I no longer wore the rags of of an apprentice, nor the fullagen of a journeyman. We were one, naked and happy and clean, and we knew that she was no more, and that I still lived, and we struggled against neither of those things, but with woven hair read from a single book and talked and sang of other matters.
1: And here we get that passage that came up much earlier, I learned I had been much more to her than I had ever guessed. Yeah.
0: But otherwise this passage is actually really beautiful. I mean, it's, yeah. it's describing a weird paradise right after cannibalism, right? I mean, it's <laughs> seriously, it's, and, and how odd and, and how cool a book this is that you can, you can have that. Um. But, um, right. but yeah, this, this whole thing of like all these things that were supposed to be horrible ended up, you know, even the fact that you, like he says, it starts off and he was afraid almost. It's like saying, you know, like I'm ashamed that she's going to have to live in me, but the more he gets there when he realizes what he truly was to her, it's almost like saying, as I had these memories, I realized that she actually did love me. And, and Mm -hmm. if she is in some way coming alive in his memory again, it's really saying that she was okay with it and that she wasn't fighting and that it becomes this really kind of blissful domestic paradise that they're yeah. doing you know they read yeah, she, from knows, she's dead. she and, knows
1: she's dead she knows that she's you know in his yeah. mind yeah and a creation but she's okay with that
0: and she's okay with it and it's it's kind of like i mean it's pure love <laughs> you know i mean it's like it's that <laughs> kind of thing it's like i know that will this is how it'll be forever but i'm okay with that and they live like that naked and happy, right? Naked and happy and clean. (laughs) And that word clean is so important given everything else that's gone on because the chapter starts with vomiting and disgust. But here at the end, it's naked and happy and clean. And it's turned around. And this thing that is, like I said, that's one reason why, even though everybody calls this the the satanic Eucharist, when you actually see the outcome of it for Severian, it's not satanic at all. It's It's
1: it's very religious.
0: It's yeah, Yeah. and it is kind of like a a resurrection, and eventually a kind of paradise. And and I mean, it doesn't always stay this beautiful forever, right? I mean, there is problems with it, and his memory will get confused, and he learns stuff about Thecla that he doesn't really like. Um,
1: And Thecla learns things about him, exactly. Doesn't like exactly, but
0: at least in this moment, there's there's this. Yeah, it's a reuniting of lovers, and it's cool. It's it's such a, a. cool thing when you thought you had lost someone in the worst way possible that you had actually helped cause their death. And now you get this and and there's a sense of forgiveness and there's a sense of peace and even redemption. Um, it just turns everything else about this chapter that is to me, one of the most disgusting things I've ever read into <laughs> this really beautiful, small ending here. Um, yeah. Just really cool. Um, but yeah, like he says, he, he also learns, or that's the other thing is that when, I mean, you pointed that line, I learned that I had been more important to her than I had ever guessed. It's not just that he gets her back, but he actually gets himself redeemed a little bit. He's forgiven in a Mm -hmm. a certain way by realizing, oh, I wasn't just a play thing. She actually did love me. Um, you know, and, and so many questions that he still had get answered. I mean, imagine how many times when you, we've lost people and there's all those unresolved things that if you got a chance to finally come back and have some resolution to that. That's right. That's magical. Right. And, and that's literally (sighs) what's happening here. That it's this, it's, it's, it's crazily beautiful, (laughs) but yeah. So that, that we're, we're, this is kind of one of those moments too where I think a lot of the, I mean, we haven't been shying away from saying all kinds of awful things about Severian, but this is one moment where it does kind of, prefigure that moment in earth where even the people that he's harmed still fight for him because they right. still find something in him that they appreciate or recognize or, or, um, know but why choose him doing
1: over the match. alternative yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we get a moment of that. Like here is totally the place where if she really is in some sense coming to life, she could blame him for not doing something more. Just like he blamed himself. Like, why didn't I try to, to take her away? But she doesn't. And, Maybe that's because, yeah, she's actually in his mind. But I don't. I I lean more to the side that Thecla. There is something of Thecla that's really back in his mind. That something about his memory allows her to actually. I mean, call it her soul comes back or something like that. But I feel like there is something of her that that is really there, and she forgives him. And it's it's something yeah. that that it's goes definitely in a, a story that way. Yeah, you. yeah. It goes in a different direction for Severian. So redeems him just a little
1: bit at this point. There's nothing about this moment that he truly regrets. Nope. Yeah.
0: Nope. Yeah. I don't think, is there ever a time later on where he says that he wishes he wouldn't have done this? I don't think there is. I mean, even when he's struggling with Thecla, and even when he's talking about finding out that, you know, she was cruel to the prisoners in the inner chamber and all this kind of thing, but he never, he never regrets this. Like, this is one thing that he's always, grateful for it seems like.
1: right i don't really have a whole lot of you'd think i'd come up with a, a curiosity earth is. maybe i did actually in a way without <laughs> <laughs> without yeah. it just seems so natural to me but
0: yeah and i don't know in some ways despite all the horribleness and the the sort of upside down upside downing of religious rituals it's a
1: relatively straightforward chapter yeah yeah no like. no we get if anything a lot of information mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is great. Uh, it's a great relief. And there's still a lot. It, it's, it's, it's beautiful prose, as you, as you mentioned, considering what's going on. Yeah. I don't think you could have a cannibalistic feast described more beautifully. <laughs>
0: yep. So one thing I am interested in is people who have very different reactions to this like because i know that there are folk out there who still see this this is like severian is still totally wrong about everything that he's doing here um that's what i'm curious about like if if folk have a a different take on what this means for severian what it means for his character what it means for the the arc of redemption or whatever that he's supposed to go through um, yeah, yeah, it's how do, kind
1: of capturing or, or and robbing of right, a soul.
0: Right. And and the fact, too, that, yeah, it does seem like this is an overturning of an obviously Catholic, iconic ritual um, that's done in this horrible way. Um, so I'm curious if people see that this is a sort of truly iconoclastic or truly monstrous part.
1: Yeah. experience to, part.
0: Um, yeah. Obviously,
1: yeah. obviously on Voteless's part. Another, right. It's, right, 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 right. It's darker.
0: Yeah, uh, but But that's what I'm curious about, then, how you read that in uh, the context of sort of Severian's arc overall.
1: Um, That's what I want to know. Yeah, well, I certainly hope they do reach out to us with all of those theories and perspectives and other comments, thoughts, corrections, and complaints, and that they will bring them to us on the Facebook group, the subreddit, Twitter, email or the Patreon site. You can find out how to do all that in the show notes. Leave a Apple podcast review, tell your Wolf Reading friends. And until you hear from us next, may the Moira favor you.
0: Take care, everyone. And maybe be vegetarian for a week or so until the memory <laughs> of this chapter fades. I know I will.
2: Socks in a cedar box Just get out of here Venus to Milo Can have my arms Look out, I've got your nose Sell my heart to the junk man And give my love to Rose Give my feet to the footloose Careless, fancy free. Give my knees to the needy Don't pull that stuff on me Hand me down my walking cane It's a sin to tell a lie in My mouth went down south and kissed my abs goodbye. But please don't bury me down in that cold program. No, I don't have them cut me up and pass me all around. Oh, my brain in hurricane and the blinds have my eyes. And death can take both my ears and they don't mind.
1: I've got this. This is, this is a mess. Hang on. Guess they noticed that. The torturer showed up in Salsa. So, that's right. it showed,
0: it's okay. just an opportune
1: dog. Right. Um,
0: but hold on a second. Uh, I got to make her stop. Gratification thing. Jeez. Now my
1: phone's going off. kind of crazy, crazy. Sort of like, do you hear that?
0: Yeah. I heard something. It was soft, yeah, but I heard
1: something. Um, I am. I. Emily's doing some kind of construction. <laughs> okay, let's move forward. Did you ever see the read the uh, comic book Chew?
0: No, uh-uh. huh?
1: All right, so it's about a the, the character is a uh is an Asian guy. His last name mm-hmm. is Chew C H U, mm-hmm. but the name of the comic is Chu, Chew C H E W. Yeah, or And he is he is psychic, and he when he whatever he eats he can remember the last moments of its life and oh, how it no. died and the, which is really horrible. I mean, no matter what you're eating. Yeah. And so consequently he has to eat, you know, just really bland vegetable foods. That, <laughs> and, uh, but he's a, he's a detective cause so it, it, like he finds a, a murdered person just yeah. look when no one's looking and then, you know, nibble something tuck tuck in yeah <laughs> that's funny that's kind of cool <laughs> interesting
0: i mean as a premise see yeah that's what's weird is like that doesn't bug me like like just the idea of cannibalism by itself doesn't doesn't bug me it's the the meat meant to look real i mean well, <laughs> i don't know well like
1: it's yeah like a like a pig with a with an apple in its mouth i yeah. always imagine her with you know maybe your know, fruit for yeah. eyes or something of yeah. some kind and
0: I don't know. It's something about the fake realism that gets you like even like, so Amber's vegetarian. And so we, we've tried all sorts of things, but one of the most disgusting things I've ever like, not, not even just the taste, but, um, it's one of the Tofurky things that's meant to be like artificial chicken meat. And it's actually stringy and, and something about something about that stuff just disgusts me more than, more than any, more than like eating haggis or entrails or sweet meats or whatever like that but it just like that was just something that i didn't realize how much it got to me so something about like <laughs> creating things that are meant to look like something else <laughs> sculptures just, of oh, food it bugs, me. it bugs me that actually came up in um there's a there's a christmas podcast called seasons eatings and he talked about a lot of the um I I interviewed him for one of the episodes and he talked about. I, I
1: remember that. That's yeah. a great one.
0: Oh yeah, and he's talking about like the things shaped like the like they take the 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 birds and then they'll stuff other birds inside the bird so that you can open up the bird and all these things. Come it's just, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was rough. That's a rough one. <laughs> so. Okay, well, we got about two hours on that, so
1: I did not expect that. I don't yeah. even know how that could be, but.